You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano. Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. Or is it? We're going back. (laughs) And yes, we're talking about Smash, the NBC series that chronicled the creation of not one, but two Broadway musicals and all the drama that ensued along the way. We've been going back episode by episode by episode by episode (laughs) to see how the supposed love letter to Broadway has held up over the past decade. In each podcast episode, we're looking to find the answer to these three questions. Did it represent Broadway then? Does it represent Broadway now-ish? And is it any good? (laughs) So let's dive in and talk about episode 15 of season two, The Transfer. Aaron, give us those stats. The Transfer premiered on May 11th, 2013. It was written by Justin Brenneman and Julia Brownell. Brenneman is a Smash rookie, while Brownell last penned last month's episode, The Dress Rehearsal. The episode was directed by Holly Dale, also a newcomer to our Smash world. The viewership fell for its last time in the series, dipping by 270,000 to a total of 2.01 million viewers. We had four original songs in the episode this week. Our two from Hit List included Pretender, written by Lucy Silvis and Michael Busby, and I'm Not Sorry, written by Andrew McMahon. Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman penned our remaining two for the Houston Levitt Review, which were The Punny, Grin and Barrett, performed by Megan Hilty, and The Right Regrets, sung by our now-defunct music team, Christian Borle and Deborah Messing. And how'd this transfer go, Mo? Audiences are literally running to see Hitlist on Broadway, with Derek's former assault E, Daisy, now understudying Anna. But something about the show still isn't working uptown. Derek is worried that the problem is Anna's performance as the diva, so he tries putting Daisy on for the role. Jimmy wants a posthumous Tony Award for Kyle, so he and Julia get to work finding a solution that brings some of the downtown magic Hitlist had off-Broadway up to 46th Street. The great Lindsay Mendez guest stars as the great Lindsay Mendez, performing in a one-night-only concert of Houston and Levitt songs designed as a ploy for Tony nominations. You see, as Eileen knows, the Tonys are not just about a great show, but a great story. And Bombshell's story is that Tom and Julia are a great, yet so far unawarded pair of songwriters. So she asks the semi-estranged duo to perform a duet at the concert as well. Ivy and Karen make a Times Square promise that although award season is bound to get a little crazy, they promise to be adults about it. Ivy's pill-popping past is catching up with her, though, so she has to start fixing her reputation from difficult diva to sweet-hearted star. But the player with more on the line is Derek, who is being blackmailed by a not-sorry Daisy in exchange for taking over Anna's role. Ugh. Everyone who's anyone shows up for the Houston Levitt concert, including pre-icon Lin-Manuel Miranda playing a Twitter-obsessed, Jonathan Groff-obsessed Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) That is, everyone except for Julia, who's too busy reworking Kyle's ideas into ways to save Hit List. 
covering for Julia missing in action. Ivy throws caution to the wind and doubles down on her body reputation in a burlesque performance of Grin and Barrett. And in the 11th hour, Julia finally arrives to perform a nostalgic duet with Tom as they both decide to say goodbye to their writing partnership. Later that night, after Ivy is confronted by Anna about Derek, the leading lady takes on Karen, saying, You play this naive, just-off-the-bus routine to get exactly what you want, but deep down, you're just as calculating as the next person. Ooh, drag her. In a parting shot, Ivy tells Karen she's glad Hitlist made it to Broadway, because now she can beat her fair and square for the awards. Also, Ivy is pregnant. Also, Ivy is pregnant. <laughs> Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. My general thoughts for the episode are, and also, Ivy is pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Can I tell you how, of all of the details that I forgot watching this show, that is the biggest one. It is for sure the biggest one. Completely left my head. I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? (laughs) It's like unnecessary drama at an unnecessary time in an episode and it's like two episodes from the end i'm, I'm, I'm like i already figured out what the story is that you're telling yeah. i want to get emotionally involved in this was unnecessary <laughs> okay well before we get into the unnecessary drama <laughs> because there's plenty of it hitless is at the barrymore yeah, the, yes, theater west, west of broadway we've, we've made it to real broadway <laughs> We definitely started with all the marquees, and you know I paused it to make sure that it said, like, a real theater and not the Lily Lily Hayes Hayes Part 2. Yeah. And I definitely even wrote down the address that they said was the (laughs) Ethel Barrymore Theater, just to make sure, because you've made me this way. Yes, I I apologize, Sash, I don't. So let's also talk about, let's talk about this idea of Hitlist moving uptown and and whether or not it can keep the magic. And how do you keep that magic from off-Broadway to Broadway? (laughs) Again, I feel like this is a, this is like an early 2010s problem. Okay. Not a 2020 problem. Because the kinds of shows that didn't keep their magic were like famously bloody bloody Andrew Jackson, which sort of pittered out at when it moved from the public to Broadway. Uh-huh. I feel like Passing Strange was also a show that like didn't quite get the buzz. 
Little Shop of Horrors was like an off when they tried to make it a Broadway show. It sort of felt too small. That that revival with um, Carrie Butler and Hunter oh yeah, Foster. that was a huge like upping of the production to Broadway. Yeah, yeah, part of the reason why I think people were so excited. But why I said it was an early 2010s problem is because if you look at it now, Dear Evan Hansen, The Band's Visit, Hades Town. Arguably, Hamilton are all shows that did retain their quote-unquote magic from off-Broadway to Broadway. So it may be this was something that people worried about 10 years ago, but it's not really something that people worry about today. Well, see, here, okay. here's what's interesting about that, especially with those shows that you just mentioned, like Dear Evan Hansen and Hamilton. Arguably, they were already Broadway shows in an off-Broadway house. Ah, uh. I hear you. Yes. And that's what's so interesting about this 2010s problem is that like we had a whole episode where Jimmy and Scott and Derek all had a fight on what this show was downtown. It wasn't Broadway and whatever. Blah, 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 blah. And so the natural progression of this episode is they're now on Broadway. How do they up the show to be more Broadway, quote unquote? It's a fascinating question that I do think still exists now, where like, do you even need to do that? If something had magic downtown, or if something had magic off-Broadway in that off-Broadway form, why do you even feel the need to glitz and glam it up for Broadway? Okay, so we're talking about sort of two different things. An off-Broadway production can be intentionally a pre-Broadway production. I would argue that The Band's Visit and Dear Evan Hansen were that okay versus Hades Town at New York Theater Workshop? Right, looked very different. Right, the, the New York okay. Theater Workshop was before Edmonton, before London, before Broadway. Right, mm-hmm. so that was truly a different experience. Uh, this was a question. Your question about why does it need to come to Broadway was a question that went through my mind over and over again when First Date was on Broadway. Oh, First date, yeah which was like a six-hander starring Zachary Levi and Krista Rodriguez at the mm-hmm. Longacre, tiny little show, and you just went and you were like, this is perfect for every regional theater, college, community theater. Why does it need to be on Broadway? And my answer is licensing. That if it's been a Broadway show, then when you are licensing the show- You can say Broadway's first re- date. You can say it was a Broadway musical. Yeah. Right? Interesting. So you need it to be on Broadway so that it can have been a Broadway show, so that it can have a life after Broadway. Fascinating. So, like, it's interesting because I feel like this question has sort of shifted. Like, it's Hit List is now on Broadway, which is great. And, like, it's where the trajectory of the show needed to go. However, should it have even come to Broadway, A, and B are all of these adding of sort of bells and whistles detracting from the show now because we're now on Broadway? That's a super interesting question that I don't think that the series actually has any interest in exploring. Sure. Well, but well, because that's also very interesting because I think not even, not only is that an idea that the show puts forward, but I do think that it's a show, it's an idea that exists in our industry where if something's brilliant, it should obviously go to Broadway because Broadway is the end all be all of our business. This percolating idea that the best art should be on Broadway. Yes. 
Speaking of Hit List and the ways that it sort of spins things on its head, I want to ask you about this newsreel idea. So, oh, yeah. Right, Julia says, Kyle had this idea for an updated take on newsreel footage blown up across the proscenium just in your face. Gossip sites, tabloids, Twitter, YouTube, a multimedia assault. This is Dear Evan Hansen, right? <laughs> she is describing... Dear Evan Hansen. Absolutely. I mean, and in that way, maybe it's ahead of its time. It's great because this was what, 2013? I guess we like accidentally hit the fact that like Kyle was this trailblazer without realizing it. Um, well, the part of it, the part of it that is so dear Evan Hansen to me is mm-hmm. like the Twitter and the YouTube, right? I think it sort of speaks to its oh, time. For of sure. Saying, Gossip sites, like it's imagining Us Weekly, right? Like that's yeah. not something. I mean, like where, where it gets a little like, wait, how are we really doing this? Because while, yes, if you have enough money, you can do anything you want. I don't know if Jerry Rand has this much money to be able to text everyone in the audience. Okay, you take me through how you think this goes down. Well, A, and I guess we've maintained the fact that Marissa's curtain speech at the top of the show is still in effect. Oh, sure. Because now everyone still has their phones on and ready to go. So the phones are on, and then this huge tech element happens in the show where everybody's able to just, like, bust out their phones and gets this Amber Alert from Apple... (laughs) (laughs) that like that's very show specific and i'm just like jerry rand must have this like governmental level amount of power all you would need all you would need is everyone's number right like imagine you could pull it up in iMessages on your computer you just put in everybody's number and then you send them a text so you have like thousands of people's numbers and how did you get those i think you gave them at the door see there's a lot of questions (laughs) all right let's stay on the hit list train i want to talk about daisy Okay, let's talk about Daisy. (laughs) Super interesting storyline. Why do we get to this at episode 15? Why was she like at the 11th hour? I'm like, for it to get here this late, I'm like, come on now. What happened? Yeah, it sort of feels like, in terms of efficiency, somehow the Anna character and the Daisy character could have been combined into one. I just feel like Anna Anna was such a waste. Anna like basically did nothing until she flew in the air in reach for me. And then finally she's the lead in hit list and then like, for, like I mean, a second and a half and then she gets bumped. In terms of hit list, she's a waste. In terms of smash, I mean talk about like if you needed a character for us to like side with and really like gang up with against Daisy, Anna was the one because she was like the moral center of Karen when Karen would like make questionable decisions. Anna was the success story of auditioning for the show and and getting the role that she'd wanted. We didn't really explore. Go ahead. (laughs) I mean, we don't know a whole lot about her, but like the parts that we do are like get on boardable parts. Does that make sense? Sure. We just didn't really like dive into any of that. Did we really get into how... Anna wanted the role and like really worked for it. Just felt like a little bit right place, right time. Fair. And we like Kyle. We never really had enough to dig our teeth into about Anna. And I think the icing on the cake for me is it feels like they felt like they needed to add a person of color. And so they added a series regular person of color and then didn't do anything with it. Oh, that, I mean, that's, 
That's real. You can make that same argument with Sam. Sam has way more to do, though, right? Sure. Like, but, no, Sam but now is, at this point, it's like, now they're just sort of giving or figure, figuring out places to put Leslie. Yeah. Which is, which is unfortunate. I mean, every original sort of person in our prime sixtet in this show. Yeah. Tom, Julia, Eileen, Ivy, Karen, and Derek, all white people, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's I I mean, speaking of did it represent Broadway then, did it represent Broadway now? I just don't think in 2020 you would cast a network television show with your top six leads all being white people. Sure. All right, let's get back to Di- <laughs> Let's get back to Daisy after we've cracked open the racism in Smash. So um, first we see Daisy in this new number where she and Philippa Sue are flanking Karen. And then they're off stage and she's like talking to Anna. And there's this illusion that Daisy, she doesn't say that she's covering Anna, but she's covering Anna. Does everyone not know who's covering who in this show? Because that's like, what I'm saying. I'm literally like, that's not a secret. Like when people are hired, people know who the covers are. It's in the programs. We're in previews. And often people are hired in a Broadway ensemble or as swings because of their coverage, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is the exact reason why they are there is to cover yeah. roles. Yeah. You know, I go back to Adam's family and like, there's a reason that one of the ensemble looks like a fester and then one of the ensemble looks like a lurch and one of the Absolutely. ensemble lo- like, because all of that ensemble, like while we're performing every night, the actual reason we are there and hired by this production is to understudy. Uh, yeah. And, and again, when you're off Broadway, there are different rules for understudies. Mm-hmm. There are different rules for covers. So fine, maybe arguably off Broadway, Anna did not have a cover. But we are on Broadway now. She has been hired, and arguably she's been only hired because she's there to cover Anna. She's there to cover the diva. For the fact that she doesn't, that both of them are like, oh, I don't know. Oh, who's, co-? I mean, I would hate to be covering you. Like, what is this? This is dumb. <laughs> The other, <laughs> the dumb. other sort of annoying Anna thing is that she takes this like decades old Aaron Dilly being let go from Thoroughly Modern Millie and drags Aaron Dilly. I mean, is this really still the most famous story of an understudy taking over a role? Is- I mean, it might be. Like we've talked about it. You and I have talked about it. <laughs> That's so disappointing. Uh huh. How'd you like? Um, I'm not sorry though. I like I'm Not Sorry. I've always liked I'm Not Sorry. And when you said it was an Andrew McMahon bop, I was like, that makes sense because all of my favorite hit list songs are Andrew McMahon songs. Yeah. Like, I can sing it to you now. Like, it's a decade later and I can still sing. I'm not sorry. Like, it's such a, like, it's such a (laughs) dumb song. It's such a dumb song. And it is such a bop. I need you to literally just download a something corporate CD because I bet you you're going to like it. Oh my gosh, I'm, hold on, I'll do it after this. Speaking um, of this girl-on-girl rivalry that we see in I'm Not Sorry, we have a reprise of another rivalry 
That has reared its ugly head yet again. We're back, baby. Karen versus <laughs> Ivy. Karen versus you know Ivy. in that times in that Times Square meetup where they're like, "Hey, girl, let's not have any drama." You're like, "There's drama," and I'm very <laughs> excited to see this drama. Oh, I was so mad. Why did they do this to them again? You know what? It to me, it felt like a welcome coda. Yeah, I felt like, all right, you got three episodes left. You're just gonna bring. Back a little bit of that OG drama for drama's sake, like I guess. I like, mean, yeah, this two, is, this two, is... two, two, two girls wrestling in a jello pool. Like, uh, I'm it's where the show started. Well, it makes sense that it's where it ended. I guess where I'm really surprised about all of this, like, drama about like, are they gonna be nice to each other or not nice to each other is. Does someone's offstage persona actually affect whether they win awards? Right. Yes. Yes. I wasn't. I wasn't sure about that either. I, I did a little research as I want to do, and I think Go. there's sort of like yes, I can find examples of people's offstage persona affecting whether they get nominated or win, and also really difficult people being nominated as well. Um, <laughs> okay. I do think. I do think that in terms of nominations, breakout performances often go to nice people, right? Quote unquote okay. nice people. Like I think about Caitlin Kinnan in, in The Prom. I think about okay. Ethan Slater in SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. I think they had sort of like generally positive reviews on stage and off, which may or may not have contributed to them being nominated. Okay. Versus, and I'm 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 talking out of school here, folks. So like, I would say come at me on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I remember being surprised that Barrett Wilbert Weed was not nominated for Mean Girls. Okay, like, I thought that that was a more interesting performance than some of the performances that were nominated. Fair, and I wondered if the pure rumors that I've heard about Barrett's offstage behavior affected why she wasn't nominated for me. If her like perceived reputation came into play in this very serious way. That makes sense. Right. It's the community awarding the community. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that a lot in the next episode where we talk yeah. about, where we hear a very clear plan about why people vote the way they vote. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> P.S. If you've listened to episode 15, season two of our Smash recap, I'm going to guess you're going to stick around for episode 16. Fair, that's real. To keep up to date with next week's recap, be sure to watch Season 2, Episode 16 of Smash, The Nominations. You can find Smash episodes on either the NBC app or on NBC.com. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano. And me, Mo Brady. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the second is by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash theensemblist. Please follow The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.